I accept every time I get in my car. There's 20% chance I could die, and I can live with it, but not 1% more. Look at me. Sure. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Explorer, this is Houston. Go ahead, Houston. How'd you get my Facebook? Oh, get right to it. Yeah. I just looked up your name. I didn't tell you my name. Well, obviously you did, because I looked it up. No, I definitely did not tell you my name. Yeah, you did. Situation. Don't talk about vacuuming in front of me. Come on. Why? What's wrong? Why? Because it's not sexy. From Tuscaloosa, Alabama, this is the Aspect Radio Speed Round. I am Mr. Corey Craft. Speaking of speed, Corey, I know you rushed down here to get here, yeah. and uh, we will be mentioning a movie that incorporates a good deal of it. It's good to be back. We've not recorded since... Like 1997? Thereabout, yeah. One of us has successfully reproduced in that time, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, worth, it's worth pointing that out. One of us has actually had a human child since the last time we recorded this podcast. Granted, that child was on the way. That's true, and we had mentioned it before, but we should congratulate our producer, Andrew Richardson, for welcoming his... His baby daughter, Cora Rose Richardson, onto this earth. So congratulations to you. Moving on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's enough about yeah, babies. Enough about your miracle at home. Um, Great. The miracle of life. <laughs> Let's get to the movies. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about Don John now. <laughs> no. Don John is one movie that we should talk about, although you've just informed me before we sat down that you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. There are four movies out right now that I think people should know about and that people should talk about. Maybe really three if we get down to it. You have Gravity, the new Alfonso Cuaron movie that that everyone seems to be talking about yep. right now. It's making lots of money. In its second week, it dropped off only a small percentage and remained number one at the box office in the United States. So people are seeing it and talking about seems it. Seems to be a bona fide blockbuster. You have Captain Phillips, which just opened last weekend. That is the Paul Greengrass movie, another true tale directed by him and starring Tom Hanks in one of his most dynamic lead performances in some time, I would say. You also have Joseph Gordon-Levitt's directorial debut, Don John, which I believe is still in theaters. I hope right so. Now. I'd like to see it. And you point. also have Ron Howard's film Rush about Formula One racers back in the 1970s. Now, I think Rush is going to sort of fall behind the pack, as it were, when it comes to the rest of these Let's titles that are out there. But I will say that I did see Rush and I did enjoy it to an extent. But when it comes down to it, out of these four, and we'll exclude Don John for you, uh-huh. out of those three, Gravity, Captain Phillips, and Rush, if it applies. Which of those right now is still sort of rattling around in your brain? Gravity, like, easily. Alfonso Cuaron is known to us as a known property. He is an auteur director who, based on the strength of something like Y Tu Mama Tambien, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and especially Children of Men, which is a masterpiece in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that movie. But those three works in particular are the works of an exciting, dynamic filmmaker who brings something new and pushes boundaries with everything that he makes. Well, Gravity has been this long, gestating sort of thriller set in space that promised to push the boundaries of cinema, of the technology used to construct blockbusters, of testing the metal of whatever actor or actors would be involved with this project, simply considering it revolves around two people for the duration of the film. Those two people in this film, of course, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. It is a 
a game-changing possibility in a lot of ways. So to see something like Gravity capture the collective consciousness of cinema goers in America is incredibly satisfying to me as a fan of auteur filmmaker Alfonso Cuaron, but also it's satisfying because Gravity is amazing. It delivers on all of those promises and then some as far as pushing the boundaries of what we can expect to see in big-budget cinema, of what a visionary director can deliver of what a committed actress who's forced to carry a movie like this can do, can truly deliver the goods. It's just an incredible achievement in virtually every aspect, on top of which it doesn't get drowned in the technology like something like James Cameron's Avatar did. It really hits home emotionally. It is a well-crafted story on top of being this wonderful piece of cinema. And for that, and for many other reasons, this is the movie that sticks with me right now and probably will through the end of the year. I just think it's an incredible achievement. Yeah, for me, without sounding like a cheater, and I apologize, I think the three titles that we mentioned, excluding Rush, they're sort of in a three-way tie for me. How is that not cheating? Well, just to stay on topic here, I'll go with Gravity and say that I definitely still think about it, and Uh it's been a couple of weeks. I saw it opening weekend. Everything you said is totally true. I think the highest compliment that you can pay Gravity is I guarantee you that You've never seen a movie quite like this. No, you haven't. You've never had a theatrical experience like this in your movie-going life. I would implore people out there who haven't seen Gravity to see this movie in the theater on the biggest screen that you can, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in 3D or in IMAX, although I'm sure the IMAX experience is suffocating in a good way. And the 3D is truly immersive. I'm aware, of course, we've talked about your long-standing aversion to that format. Still, I saw it on a huge screen here Uh at the Cobb in Tuscaloosa, and it was as much of just dominating experience at the movies as I've seen in a long time. So I I don't think that those formats are necessary. I think 2D, the old-fashioned way, gets the job done. From a game-changing standpoint, I think if you're talking about photo real special effects this is a landmark yeah and i don't think that that's arguable but the fact remains that the effects unless you go in looking for these things and you're paying special attention to them they're ones that you don't notice necessarily because of how real it is and that's thanks to the story itself and the story is compelling enough like you said it doesn't get hung up on the effects it never relies on them it doesn't depend on them to wow audiences I think that they just sort of naturally do they blend in to what's going on and you're so wrapped up in the suspense the genuine suspense of this story and the peril that this astronaut this doctor is experiencing played by Sandra Bullock that the effects sort of fall by the wayside in a good way. You Mm. forget about them in a good way. You get so wrapped up and the movie just flies by. Gravity, where it really works for me, is it's an old-fashioned popcorn blockbuster. When you boil it down, this is an action movie. It's a survival tale. And you get totally immersed in it and you're on the edge of your seat, literally. You're gasping. You're shouting out loud. You're hoping for the best and expecting the worst as it's all happening. And when you think things are finally getting better for this character, they just get that much worse. And it takes another horrible left turn. And it just completely manipulates and toys with the audience. And you saw some of that in Children of Men. And you 
could say you saw some of that in Prisoner of Azkaban too, where he just kept sort of turning the audience on their heads. But I think that this is his best film. I think that this is an improvement over Children of Men personally. While that is a just technical marvel unto itself, I think that this is just his most complete, immersive film that he has ever personally made. And it's one, again, that I would recommend to anybody who likes movies. This is something yeah. that I think can cover so much ground. It's a universal story and one that anybody who has spent one second in a theater can really appreciate on some level. Or on anybody who's had a fascination with space travel, which I imagine has been at one point in your life, pretty much everybody listening to this. For me, this doesn't really come close to Children of Men. I, I, I still think that's a masterpiece. That movie deepens with every time I see it, and, and I rewatched it in anticipation of Gravity, and it just got better. Gravity, I've only seen once. How could I put it above a movie like Children of Men? I, I, I can't do it yet. But it's an experience that I'm going to be going back from war from. I've only seen it the one time. I can't wait to see it again. I think it's a film that will remain as, as gripping, as tense, as it was the first time every subsequent viewing because it's just such a spectacularly crafted film that moves so quickly, that just keeps audiences pinned to their seat. I mean, I can't think of a scene that had such a visceral sort of reaction of panic in me as the second time the wave of debris that sort of starts this whole chain reaction that strands these two astronauts in space, the second time it comes back around when one is trying to seek shelter in a space station and the uh, just amazing carnage that it wreaks and the just tension of just surviving that moment or, or really any moment in the film yeah. when you get down to it. The whole thing is just this white knuckle survival thriller that stands up there with the best examples of that genre, whatever they are. Yeah, I've and never seen a movie like that. We could spend all show on the visual spectacle sure. of this movie, and there's so much to dissect there. I think that the making of featurettes for this movie are going to just make my head hurt. I mean, can you imagine the, the camera rigs no. that, that have to go into the crafting of this film and and what Emmanuel Lubieski, the masterful cinematographer who's certainly been long overdue for his first Academy Award and if I were a betting person I'd put it on this one but I mean just imagine what he had to go through to get this movie made what Alfonso Cuaron had to do to get this movie made and what Sandra Bullock and George Clooney had to go through to get this movie made yeah their physical performances their to physical be sure performances and the fact that Sandra Bullock has to shoulder this movie pretty much on her own and yeah. shoulder the emotional responsibility of conveying this human story that would fall apart with a lesser actress. I mean, the fact is, I have to think that a lot of sort of younger film people, sort of film nerds, to not cast aspersions on the film nerds crew, but these are not traditionally guys who are fans of Sandra Bullock. Right. I won't say I'm not a fan, but I'm not traditionally a fan. I love speed. I love, you know, I love some of the stuff that she's done. You're not going to run out to to see a Sandra Bullock movie because it's a Sandra Bullock Not movie. necessarily, no. She's not the draw. Although you know what she brings. Yeah. But this time, I think she she brings something totally different, and I love the work that she does here. Again, we talk about it being a physical performance. The main thing, though, is I think that not only physically, you have to buy into what she's doing emotionally, yeah. and I think she earns every second of it. Now, we, we do have some people, like you said, on, on the Film Nerds crew, people close to this program, and some of whom I think will probably mention this in parting shots later in the episode, but I, I've heard people toss the term Razzie-worthy around for Sandra Bullock's performance. You've heard this. I'll You've heard this. <laughs> 
I'll let them speak for yeah, themselves. Really, really. But I don't. I don't buy into that at all. I think she deserves and will probably get an Oscar nomination. I think she'll for win. This. I don't know necessarily. We'll see when we get Unless there. Unless Blue Jasmine makes some sort of massive critical resurgence. Well, near she's the end she's won so she's won so recently that yeah. always factors in. Who knows? Who knows? But I think she deserves to be in the conversation. As far as I can tell, she will be. She will absolutely be. In the so again, we talk about the visual spectacle of this, and you can put it on the shelf with a movie like Kubrick's 2001 in terms of watching this film and the perspective that it brings and it actually casts you out there and it makes you feel like you're there it makes you this is a film that is so unique in the way that it can make you feel like you're in space Mm -hmm. I think in a way that no other film has including a movie like 2001 including a movie like Apollo 13 which I think is a great space movie but it doesn't necessarily do the things that gravity does here and and is trying to do here I think that this movie means to transport you and put you inside those helmets and again the visuals are one thing but I think one of the big strengths of this movie is the sound or really the lack of sound that he employs here because again I mentioned the helmet Moments. Anything you hear in this movie is from the perspective of the astronauts and inside their helmets. And he utilizes the fact that you can't hear anything out in space. There is no sound out there. So you can't hear items that should be making noise, including this debris that's flying uh-huh. into their, the space station and, and into, into their ship and into their suits. And that's one of the scariest aspects of this is that you can't hear a thing yeah. except the breathing, except the radio, mission control. You you can't even hear a drill that one of the characters is using. You can only sort of like hear slash feel the vibration of it as it goes up through the suit of the Sandra Bullock character. Mm-hmm. That is such a great touch that this movie has, and it, it just brings something so scary and something that I've never seen or heard before in movies. It's not content doing what something like 2001, which is, of course, an all-time great masterpiece film, does with the, the idea of space, which is to inspire awe. Gravity wants to inspire fear. It wants to immerse you in that environment, that unforgiving environment and see what you make of it, I guess, just as Sandra Bullock's character ultimately has to. I, I think it's a fantastic achievement. It is, but I do think that it is successful in inspiring awe, especially during that opening 15-minute oh, shot of the movie or so where yeah. you're just immediately Gosh. transported and the camera just floats around this station. And, you know, we mentioned Sandra Bullock, but I, I want to give some credit to Clooney here. Yeah, because, he's great. Yeah, he's great. I think this is one of his better performances, personally. Better I, ever? Yeah, one of his better ever. I really do feel that way. I think he's very good. I I think he's exactly what the movie needs that character to be. And I think, honestly, if we're talking about Oscars, again, I think he should be on the short list for supporting actor this year. I think he brings a lot to the table and helps tell the story in a way that maybe some actors might not be able to. I wouldn't argue with it. I I, I would be surprised to see that happen. I'm not saying he deserves to win or anything. I just think that he's a guy who I think has given one of the better supporting performances of the year so far. I've got two other coming from movies we'll be talking about soon. Well, moving on to Paul Greengrass's movie Captain Phillips, which just came out this year, and this is another universe that you get transported to thanks to the kinetic and now famous just raw energy of Paul Greengrass's direction. You've seen it in movies like United 93 and even the Bourne movies, which he sort of elevated, I Mm -hmm. think, within that franchise from a stylistic standpoint. He brings that here to this film Captain Phillips, which is about this famous or now infamous uh, hostage takeover of the Maersk, Alabama 
ship along the coast of Somalia where you have these Somali pirates attempting to board the ship and demand money and get whatever is on board in figures of millions if they can. And these are desperate people who have fallen obviously on hard times where they come from and they've been driven, they feel, to do this and make their lives and make their place better. But that's to the detriment of the crew of this ship that is led by Captain Phillips, Rich Phillips, here played by Tom Hanks. Again, in the intro, I mentioned that this is one of the most dynamic performances in recent memory from Tom Hanks. It feels like, at least as a fan of Tom Hanks, it feels like it's been a while since Mm -hmm. we've gotten this kind of Tom Hanks performance. You know, his last Oscar nomination, and we shouldn't judge everything based on that, came in 2000 for the movie Castaway. It was arguably his last great performance. And here he is again, I think, in peak Tom Hanks shape. I think that this is a more understated performance. It's more workmanlike because it's not exactly flashy. Nothing about Greengrass's work really is. It it depends on its hyper-realism, and you can argue that that in itself is flashy, but Hanks is so steady during the entire thing that he completely earns these huge, emotionally draining moments that happen throughout and towards the end of the movie that show you Tom Hanks has still got it. He's the, still got plenty in the tank. The last 10 minutes of this movie bring Tom Hanks to places he's never really had to go no. as a performer before, and it he sells it tremendously. But the reason it works is because, like you said, he's this steady, unsure, but outwardly composed figure trying to keep his composure during a situation that is potentially deadly for not only himself, but, but the men he's in charge of. I would actually go so far as to say Tom Hanks has never been tested in a role like this before with anybody to work with somebody like Greengrass who likes to mix up his professional actors with non-professional actors or new actors to get this sense of hyper-realism. You've got an old pro like Tom Hanks who's used to the swelling strings from your Spielbergs and your Robert Zemeckis's who's, for lack of a better term, in the 90s, America's sweetheart, the most bankable movie star in the world at one point, who is used to carrying movies of a certain type who now is thrust into this very unadorned, very spare, but nevertheless very immersive situation. And he just delivers this tremendous performance in it. But he's backed up by probably one of my favorite supporting performances of the year so far, a guy named Barkad Abdi, who plays the opposing captain, Muse. Captain Phillips, the film, depicts two professional crews. You have the Maersk, Alabama crew, and you have the Somali pirate crew, guys who are just trying to make a living, guys who are just trying to scrape out a way to support themselves and their families on sea, who come into conflict because that's just the inherent nature of this battle between the haves and the have-nots off the coast of Somalia. This is just how life is for these guys. And you have these two captains, Captain Phillips, and Muse, who match wits, who come at odds together, but in reality are just these professional guys. And I'm not saying that the film condones the actions of the Somali pirates. It just observes. It sympathizes a little bit. It sympathizes. Yeah. It humanizes. It depicts. Yeah. It's something like, Greengrass is so excellent about this, something like United 93, which is his masterpiece. These are just people going to work. These are just people living their lives, going places, going home to their families, going on business trips, whose lives are just interrupted by these extraordinary circumstances. You know, so much of United 93 focuses on air 
air traffic control people, professionals who were there, you know, in some cases in that film on the day, who are reliving that moment in their lives where they were faced with unimaginable terror. Well, Captain Phillips takes that same style and does the same thing, but with a movie star like Tom Hanks, a guy pretty much everybody recognizes, you know, you just get this new level of of immersion, not only from Greengrass, but from Hanks himself, who just buries himself in this role and has to, because he's surrounded by these guys who bring just the utmost realism to the part. Yeah, but who better than Tom Hanks to play the captain of a ship in yeah. this situation? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that I think a lot of people would identify as an actor that possesses these leadership qualities, and he's done so in the past. I mentioned a movie like Apollo 13, which is not the same, but a similar yeah. role. Somebody who has to step up and be a leader and make the right decisions in the face of adversity. This movie's all about what you do in the face of adversity, not buckling under the pressure, following procedure and protocol, and I think that this is a movie that football coaches are going to show their teams before they play games because it's about teamwork. It's about maintaining your composure when you're faced with these dire circumstances and odds. And I think that Hanks plays a great leader. And I think that he's excellent. And again, he is very understated for much of the movie, but he's in a position where he has to be Mm -hmm. and he has to maintain that composure because he can't let himself nor his crew get killed in these circumstances. So I think it's brilliant work. You mentioned Abdi, who is outstanding and it's kind of scary how much he looks like the real person yeah. who took this ship over or at least attempted to but then you also have this actor and forgive me for mispronouncing the name Faisal Ahmed who plays the character Naji which is sort of this loose cannon yeah the, the hot-headed guy yeah this like yeah. loose cannon He's second in command guy so frightening in that he he really embraces this again this raw energy that Greengrass brings to it and this is a guy that I would think will get more jobs in the future he's just one of those great unhinged characters whose actions are totally unpredictable and it's really amazing but as is the case with gravity Captain Phillips eventually turns itself into a pretty straightforward suspenseful action movie and I think it works on that level completely. And that sure. is in a complete, I mean that in the most positive sense I can think of. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to it, we go to these movies to be entertained. And this, on that level, works beyond words to me. I, th- I think that once the seals come in yeah. to the picture, and if, well, if, once the lifeboat excursion happens, yeah, then it turns into, to, again, this hostage action yeah. movie. But I'm telling you, once the seals fall out of that plane, if folks aren't sort of getting pumped and applauding, you know, and this this right. movie kicks into this sort of fifth gear and, you know, yeah, it, in a way it sort of like screams patriotism to some extent uh-huh. while also sympathizing with these Somali pirate characters. There's a lot going on in that regard, but when this thing turns it up to 11 and you just sort of feel the grind of it and you feel sort of the, the, the intensity that Greengrass is always going for, again, I think that this is some of the best work that he's ever done and it is, in in my opinion, easily some of the best work Hanks has ever done and we talk about the final moments of right. the movie. I it's mean, stunning. if you don't feel that, then I, yeah. you know, I just, I don't get you. I, you know, you're, you're a robot because like you said, Hanks has never had to sort of reach into that bag of tricks in his career. You know, it reminds me a bit of Zero Dark Thirty. It's not as unusual in structure or in presentation as that film, but it does tap into the same sort of immersive, realistic, white-knuckle tension yeah. that comes with that treatment of current events. It's just, you know, I, I think Captain Phillips is a terrific achievement, too. Absolutely. So we move on to these other two movies, one of which you've seen. You've seen Ron Howard's Rush, yeah. Formula One movie yeah. about this rivalry between these racers back in the 1970s. It got pretty heated, and eventually one was pretty brutal 
severely injured, which didn't have as much of an effect on the rivalry as you would think it would. But you have Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Bruhl, whom you've seen in the movie Inglorious Bastards and mm-hmm. Goodbye Lennon, if you've seen that. Yeah. He's a very talented guy. And this is really, other than Inglorious Bastards, this is his first major starring role in a mainstream mm-hmm. movie, even though this was independently made yeah. by Ron Howard, his first independently made movie since his debut. Grand Theft Auto. You know, I found this movie entertaining for sure. And I, I found the performances engaging. I think Brule is a lot of fun. Here is Nicky Lotta this incredible, very disciplined, technical racer without much flourish and personality as opposed to the Hemsworth character, James Hunt, who is all flash and all style, but very talented and somebody who doesn't really care about how talented he is. He he cares about having a good time, although he is driven by this rivalry and this intensity between these two figures who drive each other to be great champions in Formula One racing. Now, All that said, while they do get the job done, I think it's only gotten done at a certain level. I think that this is one that you can kind of file under the Wikipedia movie into that category and that it only tells so much of the story. You know, I wish it just sort of like comes over the broad points that this story tells. To be great, it really needs to get inside these heads and get inside the the finer points and the specificity of this rivalry and what really drove these men instead of covering as much ground as it does. It, It does feel a little disappointingly broad at points. I think the performances are great, but I I like what Chris Hemsworth does so much in this movie that I feel like so much of his character action is just sort of perpetuated or put into motion by the gears of the plot. Well, he does this because if he didn't, we couldn't get to the next point in his life. Well, okay. You know, I found the scripting a little disappointing, and Peter Morgan, the screenwriter who most famously has written The Queen, which is a fantastic, just fantastic film, and Frost Nixon, which I wasn't wild about. Also another Ron Howard movie. I I think this is a a very exciting, very adequate sort of biopic material for most of the time, but I love Daniel Bruhl's performance. Yeah. I think he's tremendous in this movie. I think that he reaches places that the script doesn't go. I think he elevates this character of Nicky Lauda. I think that were this movie doing a little better in the conversation box office-wise or really stuck in anybody's memory, he would be uh, a reasonably good shot for a Best Supporting Actor nomination at the Oscars if they were going to apply some massive category fraud, which they will do when they're campaigning him for this. It's fast-paced. It looks good. It the race- looks- Great. Yeah, the racing Anthony sequences. Anthony yeah. cinematographer, he's amazing. You know, Ron Howard, I, I have always believed, is a more than capable studio filmmaker. Yeah. And although this isn't studio, it feels like it is at times. And this is an R-rated outing for him, which yeah. is, you know, rare these days. Again, it looks good, sounds good. And again, the pacing is good. The racing sequences are pretty well done and the montages are well edited. But I don't know, there's just something, a little something missing that makes me scream. This is one of the best racing movies of all time. This is one of Ron Howard's better movies. It's one of the better movies of the year. It's just one that I I can just sort of let go. I think I probably liked it a little bit more than you did, but I don't feel that dissimilarly. You know, there's just something about it that you just kind of want something more to grapple onto. And even though you have these great performances, there's just not much there there once you get past the racing sequence which are really wonderful. Well, in closing out these bigger movies, these titles that are out in theaters right now, you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt's debut, Don John, and I know that you haven't seen it, so you can't comment on it. But you're going to recommend it to me. Yes, I I am. I I suspect. I am going to recommend it. I think it's fantastic. It's a Uh, great debut for a young filmmaker who was obviously talented going into this, if you've paid much attention to his hit record project, so you know this guy is passionate about filmmaking and is highly capable based on the short films that he's made and has obviously learned 
learned a lot and picked up a lot from the directors with whom he's worked, guys like Christopher Nolan, guys like Ryan Johnson, guys like Steven Spielberg. So he, he's worked with the best. He'll continue to do so, I'm guessing, as his stature as an actor will help him. This will help him not only as an actor, because I think this is easily one of his best performances, but as a director, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a guy to keep an eye on. And there's a lot of stylish stuff happening in this movie. Quick edits, interesting cinematography, archival footage that he uses. He's obviously influenced by a lot of great directors. Mm -hmm. You see Scorsese, you see Oliver Stone, you see a lot of these folks that I've already mentioned before. So he's picked up a lot, but I think that he has developed his own voice here with Don John. And this is a film that has an incredibly compelling story, as simple as it is. I mean, it's about a guy who has trouble committing and has trouble seeing women for what they are, which are women and people and not objects. And this is a guy who lives the fast life as this sort of like Jersey Shore guy. Exactly. This sort of like, you know, muscle bound, slick type guy who hits the <laughs> nightclubs and wants to get laid every single time he has the opportunity. And he's successful at doing that. But it takes uh, something else happening in his life uh, to sort of wake him up. And this is a guy who also has a porn addiction. And that factors into this movie, too. Mm-hmm. And it's about how this newfound relationship with this girl, it's about how she can't handle that addiction while he can't handle aspects of her life and they can't really seem to compromise and it takes this character played by Julianne Moore to sort of step in and help him realize what's going on in his life and what might be wrong and she's a fantastic character gives another great Julianne Moore performance but Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a filmmaker somebody to definitely keep an eye on and I don't want to give away too much since you haven't seen it uh-huh. so I won't go in depth other than to say that I highly recommend Don John it's one of the better movies of the year so far yeah I'll, I'll check it out it's on my list right after Machete Kills <laughs> right after Machete Kills? I'm just kidding. Oh, God. I'm kidding. You Come never on. know, Corey. I actually want to add two more movies that I don't know that you've seen that are out in theaters right now for at least a little while longer in brief because we're in a we're we're low on time. This is the speed round. <laughs> Nicole Holoff Center's Enough Said, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini in uh, one of his final roles. It is a tremendously affecting, wonderful little romantic comedy drama for adults that features Louis Dreyfus's best performance in film and, and quite sadly, Gandolfini's best performance in film. It's just a really lovely little piece about two middle-aged adults at transition points in their lives and how they come together and fall apart and, and the things that sort of affect their relationship, the external factors. Nicole Holoff Center is a wonderful filmmaker whose uh, films like Friends with Money, Please Give, Walking and Talking, Lovely and Amazing. These are all really perceptive, really special movies. Her films are increasingly things that I always watch out for, and I was very happy that Enough Said lived up to the promise that I was hoping it would. That's playing in the Birmingham area right now still, and then in theaters everywhere, but I don't know for how much longer, the incredibly gripping thriller Prisoners. And I don't know that you saw that. It's it's a, it's quite a sit. It's a length of time. I haven't worked up the nerve to sit through the two and a half hour running time. And yet, yet. it is constantly involving. I hear the it whole is. Time. I hear it is. I hear you. And With, I want to see it. But man, two and a half hours I know, for an but, October, but it's it's, September a, it's such a wonderful mystery. Okay. Such a such a thrilling mystery that goes in such wild areas. It's it's well worth checking out, and it features tremendous performances from people like Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, who's probably one of his better performances in that movie. You've got people like Viola Davis and Terrence Howard just sort of playing the supporting roles, so you know you've got something special there. And just this wonderful mood of dread captured by Canadian director Denis uh, Villeneuve, and of course master cinematographer. 
for Roger Deakins. What do you need? A roadmap? You got to check it out. It's awesome. I'm going to need five-hour energy drink is yeah. what I'm going to need. Possibly. Probably, yeah, Possibly. maybe. But really quickly, since we're out of time, basically, just name the films that are recently out on DVD that people should check out. Pacific Rim, man. Yeah. Yeah, The Heat. Sandra Bullock's had a good year, so check her out with, in that comedy with uh, Melissa McCarthy, which I seem to like more than many people do. Including me, that's yeah. for sure. A um, film that I just... disappointing. A film that I just watched on DVD last night was the Terry Zawagoff documentary Crumb, which yeah. I had never seen before. Yeah, isn't it fun? I don't know about fun. It's fun. It's one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in some cases. It's fun cases, in that Zawagoff way. Yeah, I guess so. And Crumb is a fascinating guy yeah. as his work, but his brothers in that movie... Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you're laughing about this, Corey, because, because this is one of the saddest stories know, maybe ever told it, on film. If you you got to laugh or you're going to start crying. <laughs> yeah, well, I can recommend it, though. Yeah. It is a brilliant documentary, and people should check it out. And I, I also want to throw out a quick recommendation, which is now on video on demand, along with theaters around the country, if you're lucky enough to live in one of those markets. Randy Moore's shot on the fly, guerrilla style, psychological drama, dark comedy, Escape from Tomorrow, filmed without permission at Walt Disney World in Disneyland. It works better as a movie than you would think, but it is a fascinating experiment. I really want to see it, it for is, sure. It is fascinating, and I was privileged enough to see that in a theater. Before it sounds like we're um, just all about every movie ever made, I, I also want to mention I saw the new adaptation of Romeo and Juliet last night, and it sucks. So we'll end on that downer <laughs> note. Uh, before you think that we just love everything. Maybe Much Ado About Nothing is the better Shakespearean I, adaptation I would, this I would year. hazard a guess that it is, because well, I like that movie. before we run, here are some parting shots from our friends at FilmNerds.com. For Film Nerds and Aspect Radio, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. I saw Captain Phillips last weekend, and I think it's easily one of the best movies of 2013 so far. Paul Greengrass and his crew did a great job creating a classic action movie with welcome patriotic overtones. But Tom Hanks, unsurprisingly, steals the show with some key scenes towards the end of the movie. Although I'm a big fan of Robert Zemeckis' 2000 film Castaway, which also starred Tom Hanks in a story about a man dealing with peril on the high seas, one aspect of it bugs me to this day. When Hanks, having finally sailed away from the island, encounters a large shipping boat in the middle of the ocean, he reaches out to it. And then the next time we see Hanks, he's safe and sound back in the States with a shave and a haircut. I always thought that Castaway would have benefited greatly by showing those moments that happen when he makes human contact for the first time after his ordeal. How would he react? Would he break down? How would the other people react? In Captain Phillips, I feel like I finally got that scene. Although the scope of the two movies differ a great deal in terms of time, by the end, the main character is finally finished enduring a traumatic experience. In Captain Phillips, we get to see the initial moments of the aftermath play out in real time. The result is the scene that should earn Tom Hanks his sixth Oscar nomination. For Film Nerds and Aspect Radio, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. Find us on iTunes. You can find us at aspectradioshow.com, and you can find us on Twitter at aspectradio, facebook.com slash aspectradio. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up, including an interview with Sasha Stone, who is behind the website awardsdaily.com. You can follow her at awardsdaily. We'll get big fans of her. In big the, fans of that we'll site. Get in the nitty-gritty about yeah. the Oscar race as it stands right now, and we'll also go over our favorite horror films from the past five years. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I'm Ben Flanagan. And I'm Corey Kraft, Mr. Corey Kraft. This is been Aspect Radio. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye.